Hey everybody, we're so glad you could join us today. Jeff and I have been thinking of you so much and praying for you. I know it's been a hard week for a lot of people and so we're so glad that we can gather together here and spend some time reading the word and studying together. Um, we're going to be finishing up the story of Joseph today. We've been looking at his life um, over the last few weeks and today we're going to kind of wrap up that time together and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 45. So if you want to go grab your Bibles, have your kids grab their Bibles. Um, Genesis is the very first book of the Bible and we're going to be in chapter 45 so you can get that ready. Today we're going to end where we started. The first week we shared about how Joseph and his family, and we talked about how God had a plan for them all along, that even when hard things were happening, God was using every single one of these circumstances to do something good for Joseph's family. He was finding a way to preserve their family for a time of famine that was coming um, to the land. He was refining Joseph through hard circumstances. And so that he would become a man of forgiveness. He would become a man of faith who had endured ups and downs and ins and outs and still had a heart that was close to God. And God was changing the hearts of his brothers um, who were horrible, jealous, hard-hearted people at the beginning of the story, willing to sell their brother into slavery. At the end, we see redemption. We see a humbleness. We see forgiveness. We see a change of heart. And they become leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. God was weaving together every single part of Joseph's story, the good, the bad, the heartbreaking, the redemptive pieces, all of them were being woven together to do something incredible. And it reminds me of the verse that we have been talking about throughout this entire series, which is Romans 8, verse 28. And it says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, and who are called according to his purpose for them. We're going to talk more about what that verse means and finish up our story of Joseph. But first, I asked some of my friends, our big top kids, to help us with this verse. They've been memorizing it this week, and they put together some videos um, of them reciting Romans 8.28. And so I wanted to give them a chance uh, to share with you what they've been learning. So watch this. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Miss Stephanie. Are you ready to learn a memory verse? Yeah! Hey, wait for me! Today we are going to present to you Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things... And we know that in all things... And we know that in all things... We know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him. I work for the dying of those who love him. Or those who love him. Um, for the good of uh, th those who, who love God and, and who are called according to his purpose for them. And are called according to his purpose for them. Who have been called according to his purpose. Who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Romans 8.28 Romans 8.28 Meow! Here you Thank you, bye! Brianna and McKenna. We miss you all. Have a great day. Bye. 
Didn't you love that? They're just the best. Um, we clipped some of those things together, but you can go to our YouTube page and see the full scope of what everybody sent this week. There's a lot of really incredible videos, so make sure you check that out after this. But what an amazing scripture that God weaves together all of the things in your life to create something amazing. The phrase works together in this passage is from a Greek word that sounds like our word synergy which means cooperating, all of the pieces coming together, working together to create something amazing. I think of it this way. I love to make chocolate chip cookies. Um, I love to get all the ingredients out and set them all out, and I can whip up a batch pretty quick, a lot quicker these days because we seem to be going through them fast. But it has a lot of different ingredients. We have butter, and we have sugar, and we have flour, and baking soda, and chocolate chips. And if you took any one of those things and just ate them alone, some of them would be really great, some of them would be not so great. You could eat a few chocolate chips from time to time without the cookie, and that's fine. You could even have the sugar and it would be okay. Those are the good things. But if you, if you just took a big bite of a stick of butter, I don't think that that would be very good. Or if you've ever uh, put baking soda in your mouth, it's not a pleasant experience. So those individual ingredients on their own might not be the, the best thing, but when they all come together and they're worked together and you blend them up and you mix them all up and you put them together, something amazing comes out of that. And it's the same in our lives. We might have a really hard thing and on its own we're looking at it going, man, God, why did I have to go through that? And we might have sweet things that we say, man, God, that was an amazing uh, season of life. And yet in the story of our lives, God is taking all of those things, just like every ingredient, and he's mixing the good and he's mixing the bad, and out of it comes your story, something really amazing that only God can do. He is working all things together for the good of those who love God. So let's look at this story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 45. Now, this is the end of the story, and we're going to see how God used all of the circumstances of Joseph's life to create something amazing. So Joseph has left prison and he's been made number two in command of all of Egypt. He's in, interpreted Pharaoh's dream that a famine was coming to the land. And so Pharaoh put him in charge of storing up food for the years of plenty so that there would be plenty of food in the time of famine. Now back in Canaan, Joseph's family is also facing famine and they've gotten to the point where they are out of food. And so they said, we have heard that there is food in Egypt. And so Jacob sends the brothers to Egypt. Now they walk into Pharaoh's court and there is Joseph and they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. Now I like to imagine what would that feel like for Joseph? I did the math a little bit on this. He was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. Then it had been he was 30 years old when he was promoted into Pharaoh's household, and now we know it was at least seven years later. So now Joseph is between 37 and 40 years old, easily 20 years after his brothers had sold him into slavery. And so he had had all this time to probably think about that moment, all the time in prison to think about if I ever see my brothers again. So I can only imagine how incredible that moment is. And I want you to read the whole story. I don't have time to go into all of the details, but you see Joseph wrestling a little bit in this moment of what do I do? Here are my brothers. I'm sure he felt anger. I'm sure he felt heartbroken. I'm sure he felt all of the things. So he actually throws them into prison for a few days, accusing them of being spies. And he overhears them saying to each other, 
This is happening because of what we did to Joseph. This is happening because of what we did to our brother. And it says he begins to weep and he turns away. And he's starting to see this change in his brother's lives. He's starting to see this humility that wasn't there before. So he gives them food and he sends them back. But he makes one brother stay in prison. Simeon stays back. And he tells them that when they come back, they better bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, with them. And then he will release Simeon. So the brothers come back with Benjamin. And Joseph creates one more test to see where his brother's hearts are. He hides his cup in Benjamin's sack, and then he sends the soldiers after them. When Benjamin is accused of stealing, the brothers fall on their faces and beg for mercy for them, and even offer to take his place in prison. They say, God is punishing us for our sins, but our father will not survive losing another son. And it's in that moment that Joseph sees the change of heart in his brothers. He sees the compassion. He sees the care for their father. He sees the compassion for Benjamin. And he knows that things have changed. And this is when then he reveals his identity. So look in your, in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 45. We're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room. And he said to his attendants, out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. And then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years, it will last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. But God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all of the land of Egypt. So come now immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children and your grandchildren and your flocks and herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, your household and your animals will starve. Isn't this an incredible moment to see that moment play out where we know God was working all along? Now, there are so many things that we could pull out of this story, but I want to focus on one thing today as we wrap up this series. When it all comes together and the brothers are standing before Joseph, Joseph had a choice to make in that moment. He could either focus on his pain. He could either focus on what had happened. He could focus on the last 20 years. Or he could take a step back and he could look at the big picture of what God had been doing all along. He could focus on the bigger story, or he could dig his heels in to what had happened to him. 
He could recognize how all the things that had happened to him were used by God to preserve his family. Or he could fixate on the wrongs that had been done, the injustice he had encountered, and the hardship he had endured. Now, this didn't excuse his brother's behavior, but he had the perspective to see that God was using something hard to bring about something good. We see an attitude of gratefulness, of graciousness, of generosity, because Joseph chose to take a step back and see the whole picture. And it's the same for us. Our perspective will determine whether we become grateful or whether we emerge from a storm bitter. Your perspective will determine whether you see the grander plan that God is working out or whether you just see the hard stuff that you've gone through. Your perspective will determine whether you see the mess or the masterpiece. So I want to show you a picture. It's going to come up on the screen right now. I want you to look at this picture and tell me what you think it is. Um, when I first saw it, I thought maybe it was peanut butter. It kind of looked like peanut butter to me. I don't know. It doesn't look like much. It looks kind of just like a clump of nothing. Here's another picture. Does this look any better? How about this one? Now, up close, this picture looks like nothing. It looks like just a mess. But when we pull back a little bit, I want you to see what this picture looks like from a distance. This is the painting called Enclosed Field with a Peasant by Vincent Van Gogh. It was painted in 1889, and it's housed permanently in the Indianapolis Institute of Art. I couldn't find the value for this exact painting, but another one of Van Gogh's painting that is in this same series sold in 1997 for $81.3 million. Now, when we look up close at this picture, it looks like a mess. It looks like nothing. It looks like just scratches and globs. But when we take a step back and we get a little bit of perspective, we can see, oh my goodness, this is a masterpiece. All of these strokes, all of these brushes, all of this paint together is creating something phenomenal. Our perspective makes all the difference. We can learn something from Joseph in this season that is challenging for us. We can choose to focus on the everyday frustrations and the everyday fears that you and I are going through. We can fixate on the small things and suddenly feel like they are big things. And that's not to say that the small up close things aren't really hard right now. There are very real frustrations and very real challenges. But we can keep our eyes right there and find ourselves frustrated and overwhelmed and anxious. Or we can just pull back a little bit and try and see the bigger picture, the whole story, and try and gain a better understanding and shift our perspective. This week was kind of a hard week. At least it was for me. I know it was for a lot of you too. The governor's order came this week that we were going into a shelter-in-place time. And um, I was actually on a conference call, and I couldn't step away, and I got a text from her friend telling me what was happening and that um, the shelter-in-place was coming. And all of a sudden, I became fixated on the smallest little thing, and it seems really funny now when I tell you this, but I was sitting there on my call, and all I could think of is, we are out of peanut butter. 
the curds are out of peanut butter. We had used the last bit of it that morning. And all I could think of was, we're gonna be, we're out of peanut butter. I'm not gonna be able to find peanut butter at the store. And then I started thinking of all the things I like to make on peanut butter. I like to put it on my toast and I like to make protein bites and I was gonna make peanut butter cookies. And I started fixating on peanut butter and it was such a silly, silly, silly thing. But it was like all my fear of not being able to get stuff just decided to land right in this little tiny thing of peanut butter. And, um, Man, what was funny is that I was, I was freaking out about it. Sounds so silly now. So I texted my friend and then I had to take a deep breath, say a little prayer, had a little cry, texted a friend that I was freaking out about peanut butter. Like, how embarrassing is that? And then I took a step back and I got a little perspective. The first thing I thought is, you know what, Christy, you can get more peanut butter. More than that, I have access to more food than most of the entire world. Not only what's in my house right now, but what's in the grocery stores and what is coming and what is being grown. There is no shortage of food where we are. We are blessed in this part of the world. Not only that, let's say that I lost every source of income and I couldn't even afford to go to the store and buy something. This week, I've watched our community step up and have food and groceries available for anyone who is in need. And so it's taking a step back, help me see the perspective. I'm blessed, there's nothing to fear. Even though that fear started to rise up, I don't need to give into that. A little perspective helped me understand that there's nothing to fear, I am blessed. Secondly, I realized that I have people around me who love me and who are looking out for me. You know, 30 minutes later after I sent that text, wouldn't you know, my doorbell rang, I got ding-dong ditched, I went out and on my front step was a jar of peanut butter from my friend that she had brought over. And it, it made me laugh and it made me smile, but it, this is an important point. I'm not alone. There are people who are looking out for me. And I want you to know today that you're not alone either. There are people looking out for you. I am looking out for you. Jeff is looking out for you. Our church family is looking out for you. Even if we've never met face to face, we've got your back. And so perspective, taking a step back and know I'm not alone. God has put us in the family of God and that means that we look after each other. We care for each other. So if you are feeling alone today, just take a step back and look around you. You are so loved. And there are people there that are going to watch over you. Second, I realized God is doing something. He's refining things in me. Every time I've sat down this week with my Bible and started looking at scriptures, God is showing me places. Man, I'm seeing where fear has a little hold on me. I'm seeing the weak places in my own life. And God is doing a work in me. I'm working through them. I'm emerging. I'm having to face some things that maybe I wouldn't have faced, except for the, the heat has turned up a little bit more now. God is at work in my life. I see him refining things in me. I see him whittling away things that I cared about that really don't matter. And he's fine-tuning and refining me. I'm learning things in this season. And lastly, my perspective has changed to realize my hope and my peace comes in knowing that I belong to Jesus. My life belongs to him and no one can take that away from me. No matter what happens, this world is not my home. I have Jesus in my heart. I am confident that no matter what happens, 
I am going to go to heaven and live in eternity with Jesus Christ. Because I've surrendered my life to him, I have the assurance of salvation in my life, and nothing on this earth can take that from me. If I lose everything, I still have Jesus. If I lose my job, I still have Jesus. If I lose resources, I still have Jesus. If I lose my family, I still have Jesus. And even if I lose my life, I still have Jesus. That is where peace comes from. And so I don't know where you are in your walk of faith today. I don't know if you have fully given your life to Christ. I'm telling you, there is nothing that compares with the peace that knows that I have been given something that can never be taken away from me. I belong to Christ. My future is secure in him, in this world, and in the next world. And so if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you, why not now? Why not say, okay, Lord, I, it's time. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you my whole life. You can have every part of it. I place all my hope. I place my future. I place my trust in you. And I give my life to you. That is where the peace comes from. That is where the hope comes from. Because we know that Christ has got us. I want to end today with our verse, Romans 8.28. Reading from a different translation that I really like, the voice translation, it says this. We are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and we accept his invitation to live our lives according to his plan. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just thank you for my friends, God. Lord, I don't know what their perspective has been up till now, but I thank you that they can take a step back today and know, first of all, you've got them. Lord, you are working, you are moving, you are providing. And Jesus, I just pray that a sense of peace would come over every person today, that they would know that you are for them, you are with us, we are not alone. And Lord, I pray for those who have never given their life to you, who have never given you every part of them, Lord, I pray that today would be that day, that they would just whisper that prayer in their hearts. Okay, Lord, I want that assurance of salvation. I want to know that my eternity is secure. I want to know that my heart belongs to you. And if anything happens to me, I know that in the next life, I will be with you forever. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that people would accept you, that they would see the change that comes when we give you our whole lives. Lord, I pray for health. I pray for security. Lord, I pray for rest for every single person today. In Jesus' name, amen.